through the written word and the spoken word. God, help us to hear your living word, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all, I pray that I never stop feeling convicted by Scripture. It's likely that if I stop having an oof reaction to some of Scripture, that I'm not fully paying attention to the Word of God. And this passage in Matthew definitely makes me say, oof, ouch, oh no. Just prior to the passage that we read today, Peter is praised by Jesus for knowing who he is, for knowing that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus calls Peter the rock on which the church will be built and gives Peter keys to the kingdom. Now, all still within Matthew's 16th chapter, Peter is receiving a pretty serious rebuke. Get behind me, Satan. Oof. Ouch. Oh, no. Let's break this down for a moment. Peter understands that Jesus is the Messiah, and Peter's on board. But then Jesus starts explaining the more costly parts of his life and ministry. And then our dear Peter gets understandably concerned. Jesus makes clear to his disciples that he will go to Jerusalem and he will suffer death at the hands of earthly powers. Jesus also tells of his resurrection, but that doesn't soften the blow for Peter and the other disciples. And Peter is so disturbed that he takes Jesus aside to say that this simply cannot be true. I'm sympathetic to Peter, who is afraid and probably a bit protective of his friend and teacher. But here's where I really start to feel convicted by this piece of scripture. Jesus will not bend to Peter's worry. Instead, Jesus tells Peter that he is only concerned with human and earthly things. Oof. Ouch. Oh no. Is that me? I'm sure I'm not the only one here who has argued with God. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has experienced some kind of push or pull in prayer, in community, and in study that made me think, God, that is just not going to happen. Whether because of fear or discomfort or simple unwillingness, I've certainly reacted to God in a way very similar to Peter. Then Jesus tells Peter and all the disciples to pick up their cross and to follow him. This is convicting, but it's not exactly elucidating. What does it really mean to pick up our cross? What does that mean in general and for each of us specifically? How do we pick up our cross? How do we let go of our human concerns 
how do we really follow Jesus? In part, Jesus convicts Peter towards a posture of loosening his grip on human things. We are in turn given that directive. Most of us, myself very much included, are consumed by our earthly comforts, our human priorities and assumptions. And Jesus calls us to let go. Letting go is not the end in and of itself, though. Here, I like to use a simple and somewhat literal illustration of our grip on the world. When my hands are closed tightly around my assumptions about the world, around my material comforts, around my privilege, they cannot be open to receive God. Jesus invites us to that posture and to a life of openness towards God and towards one another. We cannot pick up our cross and follow Jesus if our hands are already full. Then Paul helps us with the next step. Jesus and Peter's dialogue creates space in our lives for our faith. And then Paul's instructions to the Romans help us to think about an active engagement. Paul tells the Romans, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, holds fast to what is good, and so on. On the surface, this seems easy enough. I can do that. Maybe I don't need to worry because I'm already doing that. Maybe. Then getting down to the concrete practice of these, Paul's directives are a bit harder to grasp. Do I love others in a way that is genuine? Do I love without resentment? Do I share with my community even if it comes at a personal cost? Often yes, but not always. Do I genuinely hate evil? Do I abhor evil enough to resist it with my full self, my body, my resources, my mind? This is the moment where Paul's words remind me of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail. Peter or King writes to other faith leaders, and he speaks of the white moderate. He writes, I must confess that over the last few years, I have become gravely disappointed with the white moderate. The great stumbling block in the stride towards freedom is the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal that you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action who paternalistically feels that he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. 
shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. I hear King's words and Paul's words and I wonder, does my life communicate a hatred of evil? Or does my life communicate a moderate stance or even an indifferent one? Does the work of the Christian church communicate an indifference to evil? My friends, scripture convicts. Thanks be to God, but also, oof, ouch, oh no. Often when we think or talk about a strong engagement against the evils of this world, we will hear or say, Put your money where your mouth is. I want to enhance that and connect it with Jesus's active and activating instructions. What about put your body where your heart is? Put your hands and your feet where your faith is. To hate evil, to detest evil so much that I work actively against it, necessitates some risk. It requires more than a moderate dislike of injustice. This means that all of us are called to trust the most vulnerable, the most impacted, to listen to our siblings of color when they say they are harmed by the systemic realities of this country. It means listening to refugees who tell of the horror they sought to escape. It means listening to our trans siblings who name a dire need for health care. It means putting our bodies on the line through demonstration and direct action. It means sharing our resources, our physical hours and abilities, our buildings, our material goods, through direct service. In short, we will likely be uncomfortable. Peter was uncomfortable. Jesus was uncomfortable. Taking up our cross to follow Jesus and to care for God's people and for all of God's creation can and likely will be uncomfortable. And odds are that if we are able to sit comfortably and ignore our convictions, we're probably not loving genuinely and hating what is evil. Paul also reminds us to hold fast to what is good. Notice and hold on to God's glory as it is revealed in human flourishing, in verdant creation, in acts of genuine love. Holding fast to goodness means celebrating these beautiful things. And perhaps more significantly, it means creating space for more of these glorious realities. Holding fast to what is good invites us to celebrate glimpses of God's kingdom and to bring our present reality closer to that kingdom. This week, St. Columba's released our updated mission and values 
to carry us through 2026. These are the things that our community has decided to do to follow Jesus. We pick up our cross as a community and as individuals to follow Jesus. St. Columba's is committed to these five core priorities. We will strengthen community by creating pathways to connection, facilitating opportunities for disciples of all ages, and sharing our physical space. We will practice faith in worship and study, in fellowship and in rest. We will work on becoming anti-racist through prayer, working to address our internal and communal bias, doing internal and communal reflection and repentance, and making reparations for past wrongs. We will embrace our community, embrace our world through community connections, working to address family homelessness, building beloved community, and caring for creation. We will build capacity by using our resources to follow the movement of the Spirit and to make space for the kingdom exactly where we are. Many more goals exist within these core priorities, and each of us has an active role to play. Each of us has a cross to bear. Each of us has gifts to offer. When we do this in community, I think it's possible for us to move from that oof, ouch, oh no, response to God, and together to move to a response that sounds and looks more like, wow, okay, God, let's go. We can do this. We can be convicted and inspired by scripture, by this community, by fellowship and breaking bread, by sharing our faith stories. We can be bolstered by the values of our community, and we can ready ourselves to live God's love anew each day. So when we hear Jesus ask that we pick up our cross and follow him, I pray that in time, each of us individually and we as a community can say, wow, that's hard, but okay. Let's do this, and let's do it together. Amen.